Good afternoon. You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. I'm your host, Fatima Al Said, and this week's show is brought to you by Visa Visual Group. It's been a while since our last episode, but our team has been quite busy preparing for the upcoming Emoji Games, which will be held from August 2nd to 4th. On this weekly talk show, we invite experts each week to learn about their career journeys and professionals in their fields. There have been many laughs, tears shared, and invaluable moments on the show. So tune in every week at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear the advice of these professionals. Today, we have a special guest. Today's guest is Uzair Hamdani. After his father passed away from colon cancer, Uzair became a gastroenterologist who was on a mission to diagnose and fight this deadly cancer while still following the guidelines given by the Ahlul Bayt to do his best. His journey wasn't as easy as it sounds, but who better to tell this than Uzair himself? Uzair, assalamu alaikum. How are you today? Wa alaikum assalam. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Um, so, Uzair, can you start by telling us how you sort of got into this field? Yeah, as I mentioned in my uh, note that, you know, yeah. that my father uh, was diagnosed with uh, colon cancer 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And at that time, um, I, was, uh, I was in Pakistan, Karachi, and I was a medical student. And um, I remember vividly that uh, on that day when I took my father to the hospital because he was bleeding, a lot mm-hmm. and uh, we and there came a point that we forced our father because back in our countries prevention is not much practiced mm-hmm. usually when you get to a point that the disease is all over the place and 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 is actually affecting your daily lifestyle then you only go to a doctor which is mm-hmm. something that we have to change as we we get into the preventive part of the medicine but anyways i i took my father for uh for a scope and uh, and i remember that uh when the surgeon did the scope i was sitting outside the or and uh, i was a first year i think medical school student and um, i didn't have much knowledge to begin with i was just learning so i remember that he called me in he said you come inside because he knew that i was a medical student Mm-hmm. So I went into the OR room and there he showed me on the screen, uh, you know, a big, a big cauliflower, very uh, aggressive looking mass in the colon. And it didn't make any sense to me at that time. It was just a, uh, a big thing to me that what is going on there. He told yeah. me that this is a cancer and it took a while to get through that period to, to accept that the fact that, you know, your father now has a cancer so that was the beginning you know that I, ne- I at that time i never knew that i will be a gastroenterologist 25 years onwards but mm-hmm. it was like a game changer for me I, I i thought that how can my father have a colon cancer this is like she, he, was, he was just having bleeding it, it, it didn't make sense to me at that time but unfortunately uh, my father went for surgery remain in the hospital for like 20, 20, 22, 23 days. I was with my father all along, but unfortunately mm-hmm. he died. So that left a, a big uh, cool. thing in my mind mm-hmm. that, you know, this, and the question was, was this preventable? 
could have made a change earlier, would I have taken my father earlier to a, to a surgeon or a physician, would it be a different story at this point? So there were many questions at that time that remained unanswered, but it just left a big question mark in my mind that, you know, mm-hmm. things could have been in a different form if mm-hmm. we would have taken care of it earlier. Yeah. Do you feel that sometimes um, culture or um, maybe just not having access to uh, free healthcare as well affects this, especially Definitely. in countries like like Pakistan? Definitely, that, that, that this there's a lot of reasons behind this, but mm-hmm. I do believe that two major factors are involved here. Number one is definitely culture. This the cultural norm is not to go to a physician. That's a cultural norm. There are or the idea that you will go to a physician only when you are sick or when you are suffering from something. That's number one. There is no concept of preventive medicine, which is mm-hmm. which is the way we practice and we are preaching to practice in West right now. And the yeah. second, definitely, other big factor is economy. You know, mm-hmm. you know, going to a physician back in our countries means money, and and that means uh, you are taking a part of your earning and putting in something that is related to you, but then is taking away from your family. So then it becomes a real challenge, and people try not to go to physicians because they are uh, they are very expensive. Mm-hmm. They're worried about expenses and all those things. Both, both there are other factors, but these two factors play a major role. And then as a result, people don't get diagnosed on time. By the time they, the disease manifests itself, it's already too late. And it's just a, a cycle that just keeps going on. And colon cancer or the colon is something very, very personal to a person. So, um, culturally it's it's sort of an embarrassment for people to be going to the doctor for that uh what's your advice you know you're right definitely there is a stigma attached to it you know mm-hmm. because it's a it's a private thing you know you know chronoscopy is is kind of invasive it, it goes into your personal space you know mm-hmm. yeah. but but that's but then you know that's why we have intellect that's why we think, you know, all our, in, in our religion also, I mean, we are so much careful about piety and hijab, but when it comes to this, you know, the, it is different. The, the rulings are different. You know, mm-hmm. when you are going for your health and it's a preventive thing, it can prevent a major cancer from, from occurring. It's completely permissible for you to get the test done with the right specialist. And, and we just have to go over that hump that we that comes in, my, in our mind. And, and it is not that difficult, really, you know. I have, had, I have done thousands of chronoscopies. And, and trust me on, when I say this, that, you know, when the patient comes for the chronoscopies and they sometimes after the procedure, when I go and tell them their findings, their first question is when they are going into the OR. I said, it's already done. So they don't, mm-hmm. they say, when was it done? I said, because they, they were asleep. They didn't even know that the, the, the <laughs> test is done. So it's that, it's that simple. And one 
and it can save it can save your life so we just have to think logically that's what it is mm-hmm. and, and and understand that you know a little bit of effort from our side can save a major major efforts down the line that they have to do when the disease is out of control now you studied um your you did your med school in pakistan and then you moved to the states correct yes can you tell us how that transfer was both in terms of you know transferring your credits or transferring um, and doing the exams here and also in terms of just the culture shock of moving from one society into a whole different society yeah you know um i did my my medical school from karachi my medical school was dal medical college and uh, i just i just remember those years as the best days of my life you can say you know it, mm-hmm. it was beautiful and you know very carefree days um i had a i had a excellent support from my family i am the youngest of five so i have two two elder brothers and two elder sisters and <laughs> uh, and they they just they always take care of me i mean I, i was the youngest so i was the baby of the family so uh, it was easy for me for me it was easy back in pakistan to study i don't have to worry about work i don't have to worry about expenses Mm-hmm. everything was covered i just have to go and show up at the medical school and study so that right. was one part of it and that's different from what we see here we here the students have really have to work hard because they have to support themselves most of the time so and take uh, loans that was a good part that i don't i didn't have to take any loans so i when i did my medical school by that time i was done i had i had zero loans mm-hmm. so that was the the beauty of getting my medical school degree done in pakistan but then the fact is that when when the medical school degree was done then my two brothers were already in states and settled so that again gave me a little bit uh, uh, not a little bit uh, a big benefit because i used to mm-hmm. come and visit them and again because my brothers were taking care of me you know they 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 were providing me the money that is needed for the exams so overall i relatively speaking from the rest of the people who tend to migrate from pakistan mm-hmm. to states i had i had it easy i can say mm-hmm. that uh but even in, even in that ease there was a lot of adjustment Question. that mm-hmm. that you had to make because you know you you really had to work hard uh, in in for the exams because it's a different system and multiple choice questions that were different and at that time when i was studying there was not much support in st- in in a sense that our seniors were all scattered so mm-hmm. we did not had a good support system what what to study and what books not to not to study so that was a, that was a challenge so um but you know when you work hard and when you have a goal in your mind when you set up a goal that i this this is my goal and this is how i'm i'm going to approach it you know you know god helps you you know you know because 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 it is one of those things that that when you work hard god will give you the result of it so i i did work pretty hard and then i traveled back and forth so was able to pass the exams and then started started applying for residency mm-hmm. i did not get much for at least two two years i was struggling but in that struggle i kept my i kept my persistent and divorce to keep 
looking for the job. Yeah. And then finally in the third year, actually, I, I actually got the spot and, 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 and got matched. Now the second part of it, like the culture, culture uh, differences, definitely. Yes. You know, when you're trained in Pakistan, there, there is definitely a, a cultural difference when you come back here, because, you know, I remember like when I, when I, when I, when I did my first rotation, I went into the patient's room and there was two persons. I think there was a male and a female sitting in the, well, the, the patient was a male and the attendant was a female. And then due to the age difference, I just presumed that they, this is daughter and father. But I was wrong. <laughs> it was it was the girlfriend. So you know that's that's part of the cultural shock that you get, and you learn from your mistake. And I, and I I said your daughter is. I'll tell your daughter about it. And he said it's not. She's not my daughter. She's my girlfriend. So you know these type of these type of thing you learn from your mistakes from the cultural mm -hmm. difference. You you learn. Now it, it I had some setbacks, but uh, Alhamdulillah, I was able to get through. <laughs> Um, in terms of education, was it, did you just uh, apply your residencies here and then um, get accepted or did you have to do an exam before? How did that work? Um, no, we have to do an exam for uh, mm -hmm. foreign graduates. These are, these, are, these are three exams that you have to pass and you have to perform pretty good at those exams and mm -hmm. because the com competition is pretty bad because there's people from all over the world competing with you. So you really have to, when you prepare for those, we, we call it U, United USMLE exams. So you really have to work hard on those exams and make sure that when you sit for that exams, you're well prepared, you, you, you have good scores. And then, and if you have, if you, if possible, like for people who are listening and, and, and are medical students and foreign medical school, it doesn't have to be Pakistan, it can be, it can be England, it can be Canada also. Mm -hmm. they, they, they have to really work hard on those exams and make sure that they, they, they do the best. With that, they, they should come and then find internships here, like for a month, get attached with the physician and, and, and work with him and get a letter of recommendation. In this mm -hmm. way, they can, they can increase their candidacy and, and helps them to get matched. Mm -hmm. It helps to have those connections. Yes. Um, now, when you were here, you didn't have here I mean in the States, um, you didn't have a, you were waiting on your visa at the time, right? You had yes. to study. Mm -hmm. um, so can you tell us about that process and what that was like? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I came on a visa, I came on a J1 visa, it's an, it's an exchange visitor visa. Mm -hmm. So basically they, they gave you for a seven years stay here and then, and then, um, the first three years goes when you go for the residency, but then on the J one you have an option that if you if you go to an underserved area in the United States mm -hmm. and serve there for three years, they they waive the J one requirement to go back to Pakistan and and they instead give you a green card. So okay. that's what I did, and uh, and then and and after doing my residency from New York City Harlem Hospital. I moved to a very, very small town in deep south, <laughs> in the, <laughs> an hour south of Columbia in the middle of the cornfield. So I stayed there for three years. And that was an experience by itself. And you were married at the time. Yeah. And that's the only thing that got me through. <laughs> <laughs> I, I strongly recommend <laughs> don't go yeah. to these places alone. 
because <laughs> you you need help. You need a lot of help. Now, a I, lot of people I, say to, or a lot of people um, decide to put off marriage after until after med school or until after they're done their residency. Um, what do you think about that? You know, my opinion. Uh, everybody has an opinion. My opinion is that they should not hold their marriage. Uh, to complete medical school or to or after residency, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I my experience with marriage is beautiful. You know, I mean, marriage always comes with it's. I mean, it's not a bed of roses. To be honest, it, you need there's a lot of compromise you have to do in marriage. Yeah. But the overall benefit that comes from marriage outweighs the little bit of problems that comes with it. Mm -hmm. The the ultimate goal, the ultimate benefit that you get is far better than the fact that if you have to worry about your expensive, you have to worry about other, other small things because mm -hmm. you, you need a partner, you know, particularly when you are doing jobs like what we do, it's pretty demanding, mm -hmm. a lot of work, a lot of hours. My wife did, my wife helped me a lot. So I got married even before my joining the residency. I got married in Pakistan. So uh, when I came here, I mean, I, I mean, it was difficult initially because there's a lot, I had a very crazy working hours. But as, as the time goes along, then, you know, you need help. You need, you need to talk with somebody. You need, you you need, need that support. You need a support. And if mm -hmm. your wife gives you that support, you know, that really helps. And you know what? What I noticed was when you get married, you get challenged. And when you get challenged, then you become a better person. And as you mm -hmm. become a better person, my scores that I go for, that I went for exams after married were extremely high as compared to what the, the scores that I got before I got married. So mm -hmm. you know, it's it's so for me, I think I my my personal opinion is that if you are a medical student or third year medical student or you are just soon going to start residency, don't hold your marriage uh, just because you think that if by marriage your time will be divided. I think mm -hmm. it's more of your attention getting divided rather than your time. When you're married, you're, you're very focused. Your attention is, you don't go different places. You stay at home, you're focused, and that brings up your productivity. Mm -hmm. And you have something else to work for as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, and it's, it's a nice thing, you know. It's, it's, it's mm -hmm. always a good thing. Um, how did you get into gastroenterology. Um, we spoke a bit before the show and you explained that you didn't get it when you were doing your residency. Yeah, it's a, you know, some things are meant for you, you know. Mm -hmm. So initially when I was a resident, um, gastroenterology is a very competitive field in this day and age. And there's a lot of competition for this spot. There are not many spots available and for this specialization and, and, and this, the spots that are available are completely saturated mm -hmm. and there's like a lot of people who applies for it. So when I was, uh, when I was doing my residency, you know, um, we had a fellowship spot in my hospital, but the competition was so severe that I said, you know what, I should not even go for it. I mean, I used to like it, but I said, you know, I have to be pragmatic, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. I will spend so much time and I will not get it. So rather than spending time on this competitive field, and I will come to a point with, after this, 
um, let's not do it. Let's do go for some other fees that are more feasible. And lo and behold, I applied for other fees that I never, I, I didn't got matched. Then I moved to South Carolina and uh, in a small, as I was telling you, in a very small town and I was working as an ER physician and I was working also as a hospitalist on the floor. I used to admit patients. And there, um, I used to tell my wife, you know, some, one, one of those days when I used to sit with her and talk with her, you know what, I really want to do this thing. I want to do GI, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know how I'm going to get it. You know, my wife used to help me a lot. She, she's, my wife is a go-getter. She, went, she pushed me. She said, you know what, if you want something, you should go after it. Don't think that it's not possible. I said, but I, I'm, I'm like one hour, 30 minutes from, from civilization. I'm in the middle of cornfields. <laughs> how, how will I get there? She said, you know what, don't worry about it. I will help you. Just do what needs to be done. Then I used to travel to University of Augusta every week and used to go and sit in the, in, in, in the conference room in the department and did, I did what I could do in my, what I, what, what I had available. Mm-hmm. But I never knew that every small thing was adding up. I never, at that time, I never thought like that. I, I, at that time, I was just doing it. But I, what, I was, what I was not realizing that every small effort that I was putting in was teaching me lessons. You weren't seeing the bigger picture. Not yes. So I didn't realize that. And now I'm talking like hindsight view, which is 2020. But every effort that I was making, every effort that was failing was teaching me something. Mm -hmm. How to talk with people, how to interact and how to make sure the next time I do the right thing. And, And it took me like three or four years till I moved from South Carolina to Pennsylvania. And there I was... I had an opportunity to do some research and that research was the, was all what I put in the past three years, the efforts that I was putting in, I got the chance to just put it into action. And then Alhamdulillah, everything started working out and you know, one thing led to another and then I, 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 I got the spot. So the lessons for the young guys who are listening to me, or girl, girls and guys both listening to me is that, you know, sometimes when you, you go for, some goals and you your efforts you put a lot of efforts but they are not successful don't think that you you're losing it mm-hmm. no you are not losing it. you're learning from it every failed effort is an is an is an opportunity to learn and that's my that's mean uh, that's my example i you cannot have a better example than me <laughs> everything <laughs> happens for a reason everything happens for a reason yeah um Now, in terms of, um, you know, we spoke a bit about being married and going for this career. Is, it, is there any difference between being male and female in the roles that you play um, in relationship? Is it somewhat harder for a female who does have to, you know, have children and um, stay with these children for a vital part of their lives? Is it possible? Is it harder? Um, what have you seen throughout your career? Mm-hmm. Um, it is possible, mm-hmm. but it, is, it, it takes a lot of patience. So I know personally a lot of couples who are both physicians, they are now senior than me, um, yeah. that they, they both graduate at the same time and, and, and then the baby starts coming. <laughs> but, then, but then, you know, what happens is that 
it's a mutual decision between the husband and wife. Mm. And the examples that I have in front of me, the, 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 the mother takes a back seat and mm-hmm. she's, uh, they, they did the, she did what she needs, needed to be done because the kids were young. And who, who is a better person who to raise the kids than the mother? Mm-hmm. So the, the wise, I think they, they had a very, they took very wise decision. So, so what she did was that, and I'm talking about a couple of guys that I know that, you know, they, they hold on the wife graduated, but she did not went into practice. She took care of the mm-hmm. kids. The husband continued practicing. And after a certain age, when the kids are big enough, they are going to school, like, like fifth grade or sixth grade at that time, then when things are easier, then she went back into the practice and mm-hmm. and I, what I have seen personally my experience what I have seen that they they are doing pretty good they they they, do, they are not regretting their decision their kids are in good shape and and they are not raised by nannies or daycare they <laughs> they they put their efforts in both compromised both did their job and now they are in in good shape so to answer your question is it possible yes absolutely possible and just need i believe um some communication and some sacrifice from both partners and mm. and keep in mind that you know the most important job is not your career at, at the end of the day they are your kids so mm-hmm. they, they are the future generation the more you put in in them the better it will be in in the future because once that once the growing time is we all know when that time period is gone when they are growing up and 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 their character is being built if you're not there as a mom or as a father too to mm-hmm. help them mold their character then you lose that opportunity and once you lose that opportunity that opportunity will never come back yeah. so it's like it's like it's like a one time thing you know so really we have to look at a bigger picture and at the end of the day when they put the right efforts in the right place, when the kids grow up, they are still both both parents are practicing, both are doing the the same job they wanted to do. Their career did not got affected, and both are happy. And I'm talking about at least five or at least three or four couples that have done You've that, seen, and yeah, I have personally seen. So, mm-hmm. so I I do believe that it's, it's possible. I for the the women. Who, who are career oriented and they have kids, I think you have to weigh in the risk and benefits. Mm-hmm. And I think holding on for a couple of years, five or six years till you are able to take care of your kids and then going back into the job market will be fine in our, in our profession, in medicine, it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If, as, long as, you know as long as you know what you're doing, you will get a job and you will, you will get a good job. Mm-hmm. And that compromise comes from both sides. You're not speaking just about um, the females' compromise. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's both sided because what will happen is that once she goes out and start working or start doing residency, the husband can and get get a job in which he has easier hours, so he can come home early and yeah. and support and support the wife. And and again, that's and I'm just saying based on what I what I saw. And, yeah. and that's what I saw. The, the, the husband start, took a different job with less hours, easy timing, so that he can take care of the 
kids and the and the, and the wife can go for long hours because they've been mm-hmm. trained and the stuff so yeah it, it takes it takes both it takes two it, it it cannot be done alone yeah before we come to the end of the show um i think it's important to speak a bit about the signs of colon cancer um because it is the third or fourth i believe yeah. leading cause yes. of death in yes. the u.s yes so Tell us a bit about the signs and how it can be prevented before it gets to the stage of um, no turning back. <laughs> I understand. Um, prevention, as, as we know this thing, the prevention is better than cure. Mm-hmm. This is like even our imams, all our imams believe in it. <laughs> and, 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 and the medicine today is all preventive. So the best thing is for women and male when they turn 50, the best thing to do is do a screening colonoscopy. And mm-hmm. does the name say screening? It screens you out. So when you turn 50, then you go for colonoscopy and then the colonoscopy has been done. If your colon is clean, they did not see any polyps, then you are good for next 10 years and you do every 10 years till the age of 75 years. So it's not now, just a, it's not a yearly checkup. It's something no, that you no, do. No, no, it's like okay. it's every ten to five years, depending. And if there okay. are small polyps which are precancerous growth, that's why you do it because they are small growths. You take it out, and that small growth that could become a cancer in next mm. ten years is taken out in within five minutes, within not even five within five seconds. So oh. see, it's as it's it's as simple. It's it's very simple. You take the polyp out; it's all gone. The the risk of cancer is a fifty percent less now. So it's, it's that simple. So now, now if you have a family member, any, any first, deg- first degree relative, like your siblings or your parents who have colon cancer history, then, then, mm-hmm. then you do colonoscopy, screening chronoscopy er, earlier, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years earlier from the, from the time of diagnosis. Like for example, if my father was diagnosed at the age of 65. So I should get the chronoscopy done at the age of 45. Mm-hmm. The time of diagnosis, make it 10 years less, and then you can get the screening chronoscopy. Mm-hmm. So that's the normal way you have to follow. And then if you have your parents, your uncles and aunts who who are turning or getting 50 or, or more than 50, I have not gotten any screening chronoscopy, it's time to have a talk and mm-hmm. tell them to please go ahead and get it done. The signs of colon cancer are they are very general signs. That's that's it's a silent it's a silent killer. So there are not many signs out there. But you know, number one sign is unexplained weight loss. Like you're you're losing weight even if you're not trying to lose weight. Mm. Number one. Number two is bleeding. Like you know, when you have a ball movement, you see blood. That's not a good sign. And um, these, out of many signs of colon cancer, these are two major signs. Other sign is change in bowel habits that like you used to go regularly. Now you are having constipation, mm-hmm. like two to three days. So now, now why sudden change of bowel habits? So mm-hmm. these are all, these are main, these are three main. And the fourth one is abdominal pain. Like you have pain out of nowhere and it's, it's aching pain and you cannot figure out why you're having pain. So these are the signs that, or these are symptoms that, you know, that can point that there's something going wrong in your colon mm-hmm. so early screening is the best prevention 
early screening is the best is is the best thing to do yes definitely mm-hmm. follow you follow so- your primary doctor recommendation don't ignore it <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much in there um before we completely end what is your final piece of advice for our listeners today believe in yourself work hard and pray mm. all will turn in the right direction and do you recommend that they go for what they want instead of wait definitely um never think that you cannot do or you cannot reach a goal mm-hmm. hard work is the key to success and that's what that's what our our imams have taught us all along as long as you are doing the right thing and you are putting your efforts in and you're and you're asking for help when it's needed things will come to you thank you so much azair for your amazing advice and all the stories you've told us today and thank you very much for inviting me for this show i'm looking forward to the my the moja session that will be in august 2nd my three kids all are participating so <laughs> i i would really encourage people who have kids uh, young boys and girls to be part of this uh, this tournament amazing experience uh, amazing chance for kids to get together and and make friends and all under the umbrella of alphabet which is beautiful thank you so much could i have said it better myself and on that note the registration deadlines for the emoji games 2019 which is the largest gr soccer tournament in north america um the team registration deadline is coming up uh on monday july 1st and player registration is on wednesday july 3rd so if you want to register get on it right now um and if you didn't know emoja also offers an amazing training program for toddlers we bring the best of coaches who work with kids and introduce them to sharpen their skills at an early age you can check this out on the website www.emojiartreach.org for further information and even if you aren't a soccer enthusiast we still welcome you as a fan or a volunteer as a volunteer we get to work together with others across the continent and bring nothing but fun to all of our attendees so you can also find that via our website thank you so much for listening to this amazing show today uh if you'd like to get a notification whenever we're live just go to facebook page and click the three little dots and hit follow be sure to tune in next saturday at 3 p.m. for another panel of speakers and more stories thank you for listening today to our facebook live